This is another edition of 21 News Podcast. We're joined today with Dr. Linda Safe, Distinguished Professor with The Ohio State University. Dr. Safe, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about where we are as a state as far as COVID-19 goes. Uh, obviously, the stay-at-home order uh, all done, restaurants, bars, um, opened up the middle of May, and from there, things slowly opened up. So where are we at? Are, are we progressing? Are cases going down? Or, or is there some trouble in the future here? So as it stands now in Ohio, having listened to the governor's conference today, um, mostly the cases are going down, but there may be some re regions where they're seeing some increase yet. Um, the value that they always look at is what they call the r naught, which is how many people one person can infect or spread the infection to. And you want to keep that below one, which it is right now overall. But the situation may be that there may be regions where this starts to go up in some places. And I think they need to monitor that very carefully. Now, the two concerns yet for Ohio in terms of, you know, the opening up, the idea for opening up was we would have more tests available so more people could be tested. So we would know more about how widespread it is in Ohio. And the goal has been 2,000, I think, a day. We don't have that yet. And the other concern for the widespread opening is the contact tracing. So we still need more people on the ground to do the contact tracing because those are the most important aspects still to identify the cases and quarantine them and then identify all the people in contact with the cases and test those people as well if they need to be quarantined. So those are still the key implements we have to still continue to control this disease. And I wanted to ask you a little bit too about um, the World Health Organization came out with a study about asymptomatic people, not maybe potentially not being able to spread the virus. What are your thoughts on that? And then what do we as everyday citizens still have to do? Um, obviously, there's lots of studies that come out every, every day, weekly. Um, what, what do we have to do as everyday citizens while, while we're out to kind of help just continue to, to keep this down? So your first question about WHO report, I see there's quite a bit of controversy about that, actually. And I think maybe it's partly terminology um, to try to explain the scenarios. One scenario for asymptomatic, you may already be infected with the virus. So in other words, you've become infected and the virus is silently replicating in your body. So that incubation period before you actually develop symptoms, even though you're infected with the virus, can be two to three days. Now, during that period, when you're still asymptomatic, you don't know you have the virus infection, you don't have any signs, you can still be shedding the virus in high enough levels to transmit it to other people. So that's one scenario with asymptomatic people is before you're actually ready to develop symptoms. You're infected, but you don't know you have the virus and you haven't developed the symptoms. The other scenario I would say we need much more studies about is 
people who actually are infected with the virus but don't go on to develop uh, much in the way of symptoms. They just might have a mild cough, um, just maybe a runny nose, very mild symptoms. So we need more studies of, of these individuals to really understand how well they transmit the virus. I think it's likely with these individuals, asymptomatic individuals, you'll see a spectrum of possibility to transmit the virus. Some people, for whatever reason, genetics or background, may still be able to transmit virus, uh, even though they're asymptomatic or others may not have a very much of an infection that they would transmit the virus. But anybody who has the infection, even in their nasal cavity, just an upper respiratory tract infection and not in their lung, still would be able to transmitting the virus in the nasal secretions. If you sneeze, if you cough, um, these kinds of, of symptomology. The other question we don't know yet is how big a dose do people need to get infected? So will the asymptomatic people transmit a high enough dose of the virus that it's enough to infect other people? Those are all research questions that remain to be answered. And then to my second question here, there I'll repeat it. You know, what do, what do we have to do as everyday citizens still? Um, you know, is this still a time where we, we, we continue to wear our masks and continue to wash our hands frequently? Touch on that a little bit. Yes. So the virus has not disappeared. We don't have herd immunity yet in the U.S. And we still need to get to about 60% of people having been infected and recovered to get herd immunity, or we need to have a vaccine that will create herd immunity. So without that, the virus is still circulating. We still should wash our hands frequently. We still should wear masks when we're out in the public. And we still should practice the social distancing. Now, the reopening had all of these plans as part of it, that we would continue to follow these um, good hygiene practices um, to avoid, again, major numbers of, of infections. Sure. And I want to switch gears now. Um, you know, we talked a little bit off camera that there's been a, a lot of demonstrations, large demonstration protests over the last few days from a public health standpoint. Are you worried that these might spark off a second wave of, of coronavirus? Well, certainly everyone has the right to freedom of speech and they should exercise the freedom of speech. But we need to do it in a public health context because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so the pandemic, as I said, it's has not gone away. The virus is still out there and circulating. So again, for the protesters, we need to practice good hygiene standards, which includes what we just talked about, washing your hands, wearing masks, social distancing. I know that's probably much more difficult to do during protests, but as much as people can, they should try to do that because Again, some people may become infected and they may carry that infection home to their parents, to their siblings, to their aunts and uncles, their grandparents. And so everyone should be mindful of these practices so they don't themselves get infected, but also inadvertently infect others. And last question for you, Dr. Safe. Um, 
are we anywhere closer to a vaccine? Are we still looking at the time frame of maybe even later this year? Or is this something that's probably going to be more in that original time frame of early next year? Well, I think we need to wait and see how the clinical trials go. The initial trials for several vaccines have gone well, um, but now several are in the second phase. And I think we will know more when we see how they go in the second phase. But certainly, there's still not just the issue of developing the vaccine and finding out that it's safe and effective. And that's what the clinical trials are for. But the other scenario as part of the vaccine is to mass produce it in the doses and the numbers needed. And so all those logistics really have to be um, considered to before we actually have a vaccine that can um, be used in the general public. Well, that's all I had for uh, today's podcast. Dr. Linda Safe, uh, distinguished professor from uh, The Ohio State University. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this uh, 21 News podcast. You're welcome. Nice to speak to you.